Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we tackle our most pervasive fears with truth. Because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery, and I'm excited to kick off a new year with you. I'm not one to make New Year's resolutions, mainly because I don't keep them. But I do like hitting pause in January to just kind of reflect, to remind myself of my goals, of where I feel God is calling me to go. And I like to reflect on things, lessons I've learned in the previous year, maybe tools that I've put into place that I want to do better at implementing, and also those things that maybe haven't been quite so helpful. And I'd invite you to do the same. I hope this podcast has been of benefit to you in your freedom journey. Your faith has grown, that your fear has steadily decreased. If you're anything like me, however, you forget. You maybe forget that nugget of truth that just spoke so powerfully to you in one episode, and then maybe you were driving and you got distracted. And if you're like me, it's helpful just to remember, to reflect. With that in mind, with this episode, we're going to look at some of the previous episodes that either you, some of you have reached out and told me really benefited you in your journey, sections of episodes that encouraged me, and also sections from our most popular episodes. And one of our most popular episodes has been number 39, No Fear in Death. And I, I get it. The past few years have been challenging. You know, some of you probably have lost loved ones in the past few years or have a friend who has lost loved ones. And we've all seen the news, right, of of just the stuff that goes on. And maybe you've been battling some significant health challenges. And I think we've all been reminded of our mortality and that that's challenging. But if we belong to Jesus Christ, there's good news. We have no reason to fear. In fact, (laughs) we have every reason to look forward to our future, our future, not just on earth, but even more so our future in heaven in eternity with Jesus Christ, when we will be surrounded completely by his love. We have so much to look forward to. And in this episode, episode 39, I discuss what scripture means when it talks about death and also a passage that has brought me so, so much comfort just when I kind of think about eternity and death and everything kind of wrapped up in that. So take a listen. When we think of life and death, we think of something that exists and thinks and functions and grows and something that ceases to exist and begins to decay. When the Bible speaks of death, however, it's referring to separation. We are spiritually dead when our spirits are separated from God, and we receive life when our spirits reconnect with him. We're physically dead when our soul separates from our body. We see an example of this in Luke chapter 8. When Jesus raised a young girl back to life, scripture says her spirit returned and at once she stood up. So while our physical bodies indeed will stop working, our souls will exist forever, either in heaven, united forever with God, or if we reject his offer of life, forever separated from him. So this means followers of Jesus will never, ever 
be separated from our God. He will remain with us from the moment of our salvation as we breathe our last and as we slip from this earth and into the paradise he has prepared for us. We can boldly walk through the unknowns ahead with our hands held securely by the God who is known, who is sure, who is loving and faithful and true. There's one passage in scripture that reminds me of God's presence with us always, not just as we go through life's challenges, but also as we pass over from our present earthly state and into eternity with Jesus. It comes from Acts chapter 7. It's a passage that tells us the account of the first Christian martyr, the death of a man named Stephen. So verses 54 to 60 state, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, so that was talking about Stephen had given like this long testimony about Jesus and the history of Jesus. Well, anyway, so scripture says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, this account shows that the Holy Spirit came upon Stephen in a powerful way through the vision of where he was headed. And that is such a powerful image to have in your last moments, one certain to expel fear and just bring a sense of joy-filled anticipation. And I'm certain the Holy Spirit remained with Stephen just as powerfully through the end, because that's the only way he could have prayed on the behalf of those who were who were stoning him, he couldn't have prayed for them, I don't believe, without the Holy Spirit. So circling back to my earlier point regarding how death isn't the end, but rather a separation of our spirit from our body, note what he said in verse 59, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So our passing will be but a moment on eternity's timeline. In contrast, consider the long-lasting agony of feeding our fears regarding that moment. I don't know about you, but that's a cost much higher than I want to pay. I don't want to allow my anticipation, my expectation, what my assumptions of an improbable moment or even hour to rob me of a lifetime of peace and joy. And really, this is true regarding any fears that threaten to enslave me. Therefore, I want to grow in my ability and strength to control what I think about. One thing I've learned and, and still am learning to do when what if scenarios, when they begin to kind of gain momentum in my brain, when anxious thoughts try to gain a foothold in my mind, I am learning to shift my focus and to remind myself whatever I'm facing, whatever uncertainty is creating my anxiety, whatever problem seems to be threatening my well-being or my day or my loved ones, I remind myself that I'm not alone, that I don't have to have everything figured out, that I am led by my good shepherd. And that's our next episode. Kimmy Miller and I, we talk about just that wonderful promise that scripture provides that Jesus is our good shepherd. Take a listen. I think sometimes when we encounter transitions in life, we might start to feel a little lost and uncertain. So understanding that Jesus is my shepherd reminds me of some things. One, I'm not alone. Two, I don't have to know where I'm going. And three, 
I have a friend who is my protector and my provider. So I go back to this truth a lot, especially now. But Jennifer, there was a time when I wondered if God really knew where he was leading me. I think when I really needed Jesus to be my shepherd was when he called me out of vocational ministry. People ask, well, what did that look like and how did you know? For me personally, it felt as if the grace had been lifted. I often simplify grace as the supernatural ability to do the unnatural. So ministry just became very heavy. And in my quiet time with the Lord and through a lot of tears, I just felt him whispering to my heart, it's time. So I put in my resignation and at a time when the ministry was growing and flourishing and most were shocked, I was not. And those closest to me weren't shocked either. But when you don't have a definitive plan or a real reason other than, I believe the Lord is just telling me it's time, it's really easy for doubt and fear to creep in. You know, it's like that old lie from the garden. Did God really say? And that's heavy too, right? Because then I started to doubt Did I hear from God? Am I going the right way? What's going is God, are you leading me in the right direction? Did I not hear you? Because I think sometimes when we follow Jesus, we think that sure it's going to be hard, but then it will get easy. But sometimes it doesn't get easy. And sometimes it just keeps getting harder and harder. And in those moments, that's when it's easiest to replay the enemy's lie over and over again. And the one that I heard was, Jesus doesn't know what he's doing, and he's most likely left you alone. And that's where I was. And it was it was a really hard season. I remember, you know, soon after I had given my resignation, pulling up into the parking lot on one of my last days working at the church and crying in my car. And I was literally screaming out loud to Jesus, you did this. And it hurts and I hate it. And I don't even know where you're leading me. And just breaking down in that moment, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have another job. Luckily, my husband and I were in a position that we could still live comfortably off one income. And with his incredible support, he encouraged me to just take some time and do nothing. So I did. And I didn't talk to Jesus a whole lot in those first few months. I heard my friend say one time, she said, yeah, I didn't want to talk to Jesus. I knew he was sitting on my couch next to me, but I just looked at him and said, you can sit there, but I'm not talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of how I felt too. I knew Jesus was there, but I was so hurt and I felt so vulnerable. I wanted to avoid that feeling of being hurt again. And the enemy was doing his best and convincing me that God was the one who led me to getting hurt so deeply. And that was incredibly difficult. And at that time, I started to question, is he my shepherd? Am I alone? Are you coming after the one Jesus? Because I don't feel like it. But I also knew deep, deep in my soul that Jesus was there. And the wonderful thing about my Jesus is that he never leaves us. And he's incredibly patient and incredibly kind and caring. And after some time, I found myself longing to talk with him again. Now, that didn't mean that I ran right back to church or I was jumping into a Bible study, but I did start talking to him in the car through prayer, writing pages and pages of journal entries. And as I did that, I started to see some things in myself that were preventing me from seeing Jesus as he is. I saw a lot of pride. I saw a lot of judgment. I saw a lot of trying to do things in my own strength. And what I began to see more and more clearly was that Jesus actually knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly where he was leading me. He was drawing me to himself. It is so comforting to know that the God of all creation 
wants to spend time with us, that he draws us closer to himself. And then as we sit in his presence, just surrounded by his love, we connect with him on a soul level. And he begins to guide us towards whatever is ahead, toward his very good plans for us. And here's the beautiful thing. Whenever God guides, he always provides everything we need to accomplish everything he's assigned. We have the power of the risen Savior. We have Holy Spirit power living within us. And that's what we discuss in our next episode. So take a listen. So when my OCD was really bad, and I'm talking just like I was completely enslaved by it. And I would have these moments where I would just sing out loud and loud. I'm not loud because I just felt so oppressed, I guess. I mean, I just Mm -hmm. felt like the battle was so strong. And in that moment, I would just have such peace. And so for me in that place, during that time, that was pretty constant for me. That was my battle cry. And I was like, you know what, if I have to sing all day long, out loud, now I was home. Now, if you're walking down the street, if you're a teacher, you might have to kind of be careful how you do that. But again, it was just I couldn't do it on my own. Right. And I couldn't even convince myself of truth on my own because I knew intellectually truth, but my anxiety was just too strong in that moment. And so by the prayer and the song and the praise, it just, it, it reminded me I was in God's presence because I was anyway, but Mm -hmm. it helped my soul connect with him in that moment. I believe that. And I think again, when we rely on willpower to do what only Holy Spirit power can do, we it's like we're stuck on this wheel and we keep trying and eventually we just get burnt out. So again, it comes back to he's giving us power to do everything that he has put before us. And sometimes when we find ourselves struggling or on that wheel, we also have to take a step back and say, okay, Holy Spirit, <laughs> what am I supposed to be doing here? And I think he will help guide us in those situations. And I especially love, I'm going to point everyone back to the episode on letting God be your good shepherd, because you shared a story in there of how you were in a time of fruitful ministry and you felt God's anointing for that particular role, not for you as a Christian, Mm -hmm. for that particular role, you felt that lift. Sure. And you could have stayed. Absolutely. I could have stayed. In your own strength. Mm -hmm. In your own power. Right. And where would your joy have been? That's. Exactly. And I I think sometimes this is where the relationship with Holy Spirit is so intimate, right? It has to be because we can get caught up in doing good things for God often, and God will use those things. Absolutely. But when we're doing it in our own power, in our own strength, sometimes we have to check our pride because who are we doing it for at that point? Are we doing it to be the superwoman that can do all things for me? Or am I saying, you know what, God, I I can't do this without your help. And then you get to this place where you realize maybe I shouldn't be doing this at all. And that can be a scary place. But when you have that relationship with Holy Spirit, when you're dependent on his power and his, his love and his presence, there's that peace again. 
I really love Kimmy's insight, and I love how she always points us back to that deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, and she reminds us that God does call us to joy and to peace. Now, I do want to say, if you struggle with anxiety, then you're going to have times where you just feel anxious, whether, I mean, you might be super close with Jesus and still feel anxious. We can't measure our relationship with him based on our emotions, but it's helpful to me to remember that he is calling us to joy and peace. That's his heart for us. And he's given us the Holy Spirit so we can experience all of the blessings that God has given us. And I think there's a lot of reasons why we don't always live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think we're distracted. Maybe we don't understand everything that's available to us in Jesus Christ. We just don't think about it. But I think also there are times when hurts that we've experienced really hinder us from living out our call, from taking those steps of faith where we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we can just live life in our own strength, right? But but often God will call us to new places where we are dependent on him. But I think sometimes, too, hurts that we've experienced can really hold us back. And it can keep us from living out our calling. And instead, we'll, we'll pull back and we'll self-protect and we'll isolate. And we won't take those steps forward that would cause us to really rely on the Holy Spirit power. And some of the biggest hurts I think that we can experience occur within the body of Christ, within the church. But God wants to heal us from that. He wants to help us take steps forward to find safe community, to unpack what we've experienced, and to begin again to move towards increased life, increased joy, and increased freedom. And that's what we talk about in our next episode. So take a listen. I think that for a long time, I was a part of a unhealthy church dynamic that was in a small group environment. And I don't think that I really realized how much it affected me for you know, until I got out of it and experienced something healthy. And and I did carry some of the weight of what I had been told and what I had been led to believe about myself into the new healthy environment I had found. And my recent journey has been figuring out how to release that and move forward. And I think trust myself again and trust the church again. Talking about just the anxiety of in that process. So part of the toxic environment I was in, it was a lot of needing to keep up with appearances, needing to be perfect, while also like expecting some performative vulnerability. And so I was always told that I wasn't doing it right, right, that I wasn't enough, or that I was too much, that I needed to tone it down, that my personality wasn't right for leadership. I was too bossy and too much. And and so then I carried that feeling like I needed to tone myself down into other situations. And it was very confusing because outside of the church, I was seeing that I was excelling in leadership. In my career, in my schooling, I was continually picked for leadership roles and doing really well in them. And, and so there was this disconnect between what the secular world was telling me what I was really good at and what the church was telling me I was really bad at. That was confusing and made me feel like a core part of who I was was wrong. I would say that's one of the ways we can tell if that we're in an unhealthy environment, when they attack us as a person rather than seeking to address our behavior. And they don't do it in love and grace. They they do it from a place of condemnation, with giving the message either verbally or non-verbally, hey, this is defective. You are defective. And if you don't change, I'm cutting you off. I want nothing to do with you. And that's not grace. And I think that's also why those 
hurts can be so, so hurtful because they're a pretty deep rejection. We feel like we're being rejected for who we are, for our identity. And that can be confusing because in faith circles, we know that we're there for mutual accountability and for mutual growth. And so when we hear these things, we might think, well, they're just trying to help me grow. They're just pointing out an area of weakness within me. And you might indeed have, we all have areas of weakness that that we need to work on continually. We're not Jesus, right? But again, if it's done in love and grace, it will be presented as, hey, I'm not, I don't think this is you at your best. I see better in you. I want to help you. I love you. I'm going to walk beside you. So if it's done in grace, you're actually pulling the person close and you're calling them up. When you do it in, in hurt and condemnation, you're pushing them down and you're causing them potentially to doubt who they are and, and maybe even to doubt their ability to hear God. I think that's what you experienced, Ashley, but how did you begin to kind of untangle that and move forward. I started realizing how toxic the environment was when I observed how it affected other people. I've always been the type of person to want to protect others, and I'll protect others before I protect myself. And I started noticing people getting hurt that I cared about, and I started standing up for them. And then I realized I was experiencing those things too. And I stayed in the toxic environment a lot longer than I should have because I thought I could fix it. Well, and as your mom, I actually remember some pretty intense anxiety that you Mm -hmm. experienced directly related to that and where you would walk into a church environment and your entire body would tense up. I don't know if you remember that, but, and I bring that up because that's, a, I think, a sign you can look for is if you're going to like a small group or if you're walking into a church environment and all of a sudden you feel, I mean, this, there might be some social anxiety. That's normal. Like a lot of people can experience that. But if you're feeling this anxiety and this fear walking in these situations, then it might be something you kind of need to unpack and say, okay, why? what have I absorbed? What, have I, what am I believing maybe? And what kind of, of hurts are under there? And I, I think as well, if you're leaving an environment, rehashing everything you said, did I, did I say the wrong thing? Did I say the right thing? And again, I think that can happen just in human relationships, but a safe environment, they're going to come alongside you. I forgot to mention going into the last episode segment, that was actually my daughter, Ashley Chester, and she was talking about just some hurts that she had experienced in the church. And as her mom, it's been so awesome to see that her grow, like she's now in a safe place and she has experienced a lot of healing and she's developed some really deep, precious relationships. And she's begun to take on some leadership roles within the church. So that's been awesome to see. But that whole whole scenario, just watching everything that she went through and then also where God has taken her now, it's reminded me of how important it is that we find safe places where people can grow and we create safe places where, again, people can grow and experience the grace of Christ. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... 
Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. The next segment, actually, it comes from someone I've been a huge fan of for some time. It's Philip Yancey, and he shared just throughout the episode some of the hurts that he has experienced, and one of the things he said I just really love, and so I thought, well, just take a listen for yourself. And I look for a church that, that rewards honesty and that that looks for the weakest part that's, that surrounds them with compassion and love. And if you're one of those people, I would just say, uh, find find somebody. Maybe it's just one person or maybe it's a small group, but find a group that rewards honesty rather than punishes it. If you're feeling you're being punished when you're, when you're being vulnerable and open, then leave that group and find another one. <laughs> Because you can't really grow unless you start there. Amen. And yeah, maybe just pray to like, Lord, give me someone. So I think I think it can be confusing to know who is, what is a healthy environment and what isn't. Yeah, you're right. That's a good one. Just give me someone. I, I talk about a doubt companion. If you're going through doubts, find one person who will just kind of listen and nod their head and, and doesn't immediately jump in with a refutation. Well, but have you considered, you know, no, you just need somebody who says, yeah, that's worth thinking about. That's worth working through. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you haven't given up. That's what you need. When you look for a doubt companion, you don't want to find somebody who's worse off than you are. You know, you want to find somebody who's got their feet on solid ground and you're you're rushing by in the river and they can reach out and grab a hand and keep you from being swept away. And there are people out there. I certainly have found them in my life and and we need them. And for healthy Christians, I would say that's part of your role to look for people who are struggling and they're often not easy to be around. They don't talk, they're they're guarded, they're defensive, they're they're hurt. And um look for that that hurt look. Look for the the people on the edge who, who don't seem comfortable. They're not comfortable. And our job is to introduce them to the father of compassion. Amen. That's so beautiful. And I would just encourage the listeners to read his book, Where the Light Fell, whether you're, if you've struggled, if, if you're, if you've experienced deep hurts, I think it's going to be really healing for you and, and maybe get, help you see your situation through the lens of grace. Sometimes it can help when we see other people, what they have gone through. And if you haven't experienced deep hurt, Philip, what was the number of the, the de-churched? About 25 million. I got that from David Gushy, who's a historian works at Mercer University, a good friend, writes for Christianity Today. And he said it may be as high as 30 million because there, there are about 100 million people who identify as evangelicals now. And so 30 million were, who were raised in that environment and yet don't feel comfortable using that label on themselves now. Yeah. So I would say for those of you who haven't experienced church hurt, that read the book so that it will just open your awareness for those you mm. encounter. And and I think you can be alert to people in religious settings if they tense up, if their body language changes, if their facial yeah. expressions change, and just to be alert for that. 
I'm really appreciative for Philip's story, for how he presents it, and just the sense of awareness it creates within me as I'm going about my day, as I'm going to church and interacting with others. Well, we're close to time, so the last little segment that I'm going to share actually comes from your daily Bible verse. So I co-host that with Grace Fox. It's Each episode is like five to eight minutes, and we talk about one Bible verse each day. And the episode I'm going to share with you I discuss the journey just of learning to trust God more. And really, that all, that's what it all comes down to, right? The more we trust God, the less we have to fear. So take a listen. It's hard to trust someone we don't know, or maybe to phrase it differently. The more we know someone, assuming they're trustworthy, of course, the more we come to trust them. And one of the best ways to get to know someone is by doing life with them. Throughout the Exodus, as God led his people through desert places and and unexpected crises, his greatest work wasn't providing them with the water and the food that they needed. It wasn't defeating their enemies. As important as those things were for their survival, God was crafting his greatest, most beautiful, enduring work of all within human hearts. He was taking a group of oppressed and beaten down people. He was chiseling away at their orphan tendencies, their tendency to feel alone and fatherless, to feel as if they had to navigate life's challenges all on their own, relying on themselves. And he was teaching them to live as his dependent, loved, and sufficiently cared for children, a people group who would know who to turn to during times of crises. They needed to learn to run to God, to trust in and rely on his care, to keep their hands raised towards him. The incident surrounding today's verse occurred one month after God had liberated his people from slavery and oppression. So not a lot of time had passed for their worldview to shift. And the people's journey had not been easy or peaceful. In the span of 30 days, they had had to face their frailty and their morality on numerous occasions. They had had to face numerous situations that left them feeling powerless when really if left on their own, they never would have survived. And through every encounter, they caught a glimpse of their God a God that many probably felt had long forgotten them, and the God that many of them had probably long forgotten. The God who revealed himself as their deliverer, their warrior savior, when he rescued them from their oppressors in Egypt, who revealed himself as their protector, when they found themselves trapped with a body of water on one side and a well-armed, well-trained army charging towards them on chariots on the other side. Terrified, the unarmed, the untrained Israelites felt certain they and their children were about to be slaughtered, and they would have been, if not for God. That was when they encountered the God of heaven's armies. He formed a cloud of darkness between them and their enemies. He parted the Red Sea so that all his people, the weakest and the slowest among them, could cross over on dry ground. And then God swept their enemies into the sea. And then next, he led them into the wilderness, into the desert to reveal himself as their attentive provider. Now they began to experience him personally and their times of greatest need. And that's when we get to today's verse, which states, As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Moses had to keep his hands raised as a clear example of his dependence on God. This was a posture and a symbol of prayer 
and dependence. Victory came not through the Israelites' strength, through their power, through their strategic planning, but instead through their surrender. That was how they would survive every battle, with their arms raised in humbled obedience to and reliance on their deliverer, their protector, their defender, Almighty God. That's how we experience the soul-deep peace that Jesus promised, by letting God be God in every area of our lives, just as the Israelites did in their battle against the Amalekites. And because of their reliance on God, they found victory. Well, thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, then you won't miss a single episode. And make sure to share it with your friends so they're encouraged as well and rate it. That that encourages us and it also helps others to find it. Until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Hi, friend. Are you stressed, maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of, too? Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science inspired by God's Word to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.